This is The Guardian. Today, the allegations against Russell Brand. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we start, a quick warning. This episode does include graphic discussion of serious sexual assault and abuse and one instance of swearing. Please take care while listening. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Now, this isn't the usual type of video we make on this channel. I've received two extremely disturbing letters, or a letter and an email. One from a mainstream media TV company, one from a newspaper listing a litany of extremely egregious and aggressive attacks, as well as some pretty stupid stuff. But amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. On Friday night, Russell Brand posted a public denial to his YouTube channel of a story that was yet to break. The next day, a joint investigation by the Sunday Times and Channel 4's dispatches would accuse the British comedian of rape, sexual assault and emotional abuse. Several women had come forward to share details of their experiences with Brand over a period spanning seven years at the height of his career. Dozens of people had been interviewed to corroborate their accounts. As I've written about extensively in my books, I was very, very promiscuous. Now, during that time of promiscuity, the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, almost too transparent. And I'm being transparent about it now. Brand, a 48-year-old father of two who has worked as a presenter, actor, YouTuber, lives in Oxfordshire with his wife. He claimed there was a sinister campaign at play, that the mainstream media, in which he made his name, career and fortune, was now out to get him. I'm aware that you guys have been saying in the comments for a while, watch out, Russell, they're coming for you, you're getting too close to the truth. It's been clear to me, or at least it feels to me, like there's a serious and concerted agenda to control these kind of spaces and these kind of voices. And I mean my voice along with your voice. For Brand and his millions of followers, the revelations of the weekend were a conspiratorial attempt to silence him. But to the women he is alleged to have assaulted, he is manipulating the truth. It's laughable that he would even imply that This is some kind of mainstream media conspiracy. He's not outside the mainstream. He did a Universal Pictures movie last year. He did Minions, a children's movie. He's very much part of the mainstream media. On Saturday night, Brand arrived to cheers at a sold-out gig in London where he performed a set to over 2,000 people. (laughs) 
The rest of his one-man tour has now been suspended. His former employers, including Channel 4 and the BBC, are now launching their own retrospective investigations. The police have received a report of a sexual assault that took place in 2003, and they urge any other alleged victims to come forward. I want you to stay close, stay awake, but more important than any of that, if you can, please stay free. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, understanding the accusations against Russell Brand. Lexi Topping, you're a senior Guardian reporter focused on gender and equality, and you've worked on major investigations revealing very serious allegations of sexual assault. On Saturday, the Sunday Times published its joint investigation into Russell Brand, which was followed by Channel 4's dispatches later that evening. Broadly speaking, what do these stories say? This has been a hugely shocking story. Four women have alleged sexual assaults by Russell Brand between 2006 and 2013, while he was a presenter for BBC Radio 2 and Channel 4, and a very successful actor in Hollywood films. Others have made a range of accusations about Brand's alleged controlling, abusive and predatory behaviour. He's denied all of the allegations and he's said that the relationships were all consensual. The testimony of the four women who've gone on record is really harrowing. I mean, there was one woman who was 16 when she met Brand. What did she say about how Russell Brand treated her? In 2006... She met Russell Brand when she was just 16 and started a three-month relationship with him. I thought I was very grown up, thought I was very mature, and like I, I knew everything about the world. The law enabled it as well. It shouldn't be legal for a 16-year-old to have a relationship with a man in their 30s. She was still in school and he was then age 30. He was a BBC radio presenter and the host of Big Brother's Big Mouth. She says she met him in Leicester Square when he approached her after she'd been shopping. They started talking. He went through the purchases in her shopping bags. And then she says that he took out a dress and said, you're going to wear this on our date next week. She says that over the weeks and months, the relationship became darker. He referred to her as the child as she alleged that he was controlling and sexually and emotionally abusive. I remember he, he ran a bath for me and he made me sit in the bath. Then he said he had to leave, but I should stay in the bath for the entirety of him being gone. She says that he asked her how many people she had slept with and she said, in fact, she was a virgin. She said that that made him sexually aroused and that he cradled her in his arms, calling her his baby and would also refer to his as like his little dolly. She says that now, looking back, she would describe his behaviour as grooming, that he would send cars to pick her up from her school. She says that he also told her to save his number under the name Carly in her phone and that when he asked her to come over one night when it was late, she said no, she was still a schoolgirl after all. And he gave her almost a script about what to say to her parents so that she could come out and meet him. 
There was also a really serious allegation of sexual assault. She said that Brand had forced his penis into her mouth and had actually choked her with his penis and to the extent that she couldn't breathe. She said that she fought him off, but the only way that she could stop the attack was to punch him in the stomach. And then he, like, finally, then he, like, moved, fell backwards. And I was crying. And he said, oh, I only want to see your mascara run anyway. Lexi, it is so grim to hear these stories we told in such cold detail. And yet, of course, it doesn't end there. Russell Brand moves to Los Angeles in around 2011 and embarks on the next A-list stage of his career. What did the investigation uncover about that period? One woman told the investigation that Brand had raped her against the wall in his Los Angeles home in July 2012. She said that her and Brand were friends and that when he called her and told her that he wanted her to come over one night, she'd initially said, no, it was too late. At first I said, no, I'm not going, it's late. And he's like, please come, just come and cuddle with me. So then I gave in and I'm like, okay. Soon as she arrived, he was kissing her. She said they had previously had consensual sex, but this time something was very different. She said she suddenly felt like there was no escape for her. And she said Bran told her he had a friend in the bedroom and that he wanted her to come and meet them. She refused. She told him that wouldn't happen. She said, but he didn't take no for an answer. He kept trying to take her clothes off trying to pin her against the wall. And at this point, he's grabbing at my my underwear, pulling it to the side. I'm telling him to get off me and he won't get off. That he carried on, that he got a glazed look in his eye and then he was pushing her up against the wall and she alleges that he raped her without a condom. She said that after that had finished, he blocked the door because he didn't want her to leave and He asked her if she was okay, and she said, no, you need to get away from me. And he said, come on, let's let's calm down. She said he eventually did step away from the door. She said that she got out, jumped in her car, and went home. At 3.29am the same morning, Bran sent her a text message. It said, I'm sorry, that was crazy and selfish. I hope you can forgive me. I know that you're a lovely person. And he signed it with a kiss. He tried phoning her again at 3.51am, but the call went unanswered. She was treated at a rape crisis centre. The journalists working on this story have seen those medical records. Text messages that they've also seen sent in the hours after she left the house. She told Bren that she'd been scared by him, she'd felt taken advantage of, and she'd written, when a girl says no, it means no. Bran replied saying that she was very sorry. Lexi, another woman Bran met in Los Angeles recounts another serious sexual assault. He met her at Alcoholics Anonymous, which is supposed to be a safe, nurturing space. They ended up working together. What did she say about what happened to her? She says that he tried to kiss her and take her clothes and pinned her down forcefully. And she shouted at him to stop. I was screaming and I was like, what are you doing? Like, stop. You're my friend. I love you, please don't do this. I don't want to do this. Like he, 
I think he had his hands down my trousers, but I was fighting so hard and I was screaming so hard. And something snapped and he heard me and he got off of me. Then he flipped out and started shouting at her and saying that she was fired. She says years later that she spoke to someone who'd been working on a, on a project with Rand who was outside the house at the time of the incident. And she said that he apologised for not helping her, saying that he'd heard her screaming, but they were all really scared of him. She says that Brand threatened her with legal action if she told anyone about the allegation and she never reported him because she was really worried about what it would do to her career. And aside from these really serious allegations, the most serious allegation of rape, the investigation built a very clear picture of the culture around Brand at the height of his career, his ability to ultimately get away with being entirely inappropriate at the workplace, both at Channel 4 and at the BBC. Lexi, can you tell me about what we learned about his behaviour in that period? I think throughout the investigation, what we've learned is Brand consistently behaved in a way that was inappropriate then and certainly would have been seen as inappropriate now. He made inappropriate remarks to people as he was working with them. When he performed on stage, he made rape jokes that even at the time, I think, would have been sailing very close to the wind. What people said throughout the investigation was that people warned about him. If women were working with him, they would speak to each other so that they knew to take care if they were on their own with him. So, I mean, it was a known problem in some ways that he was problematic around women, shall we say? I think that the investigation shows that there was plenty of evidence both in the public eye and behind closed doors that people knew that Bram's behaviour was problematic. He was a self-confessed sex addict. He called himself promiscuous. But the people who worked with him thought that it was a problem and that they had to protect their fellow colleagues. Lexi, what has Russell Brand and his lawyers, what have they all said in response to this? The first reaction from the lawyers was to behave in a way that will come as no surprise to any reporter who's worked on a story like this. They said they couldn't provide a response, that there were too many questions and that the reporters had chosen to keep the names of the women out of the reporting. They said that it was a preconceived strategy to damage their client. And there was a deeply concerning agenda to all this, namely the fact that he is an alternative media broadcaster competing with mainstream media. And I'm being transparent about it now as well. And to see that transparency metastasized into something criminal that I absolutely deny makes me question, is there another agenda at play? The lawyers didn't provide a full response, but the allegations were then confronted by Brand on his own YouTube channel, saying that he'd been very, very promiscuous, but said that all of his relationships had been always consensual. And what about Brand's former employers, the production company Endemol, Channel 4, the BBC? What have they said? Several of Brand's former employers have said that they're going to launch investigations into his behaviour while he worked for them. The BBC, which, you know, of course, employed Brand as a DJ on Six Music and on Radio 2, 
said the reports contained serious allegations spanning a number of years and it was urgently looking into the issues raised. A spokesperson for Channel 4 said it was appalled to learn of the allegations. And Banerjee UK, which bought out Endemol, which was the production company that made Big Brother's Big Mouth, said that it launched an urgent investigation again. Lexi, Russell Brand has been famous almost from the very beginning of his career in the early noughties. He started out as a comedian, moved on to MTV as a presenter, got bigger and bigger as a Channel 4 Big Brother host. And from there, he just became a tabloid fixture and the very definition of that mid-noughties Camden scene. He was a BBC radio presenter, as you said, and the sort of nice bad boy it was okay to laugh along with. What do you think it was about him that seemed so irresistible to audiences at the time and to the bosses that hired him? There was something about Bran that really tapped into that louche, debauched era that was the early noughties. He was really open about his failings, the trauma that he'd been through, his addictions. He put everything on the line and he had this image of being a cheeky chappy, someone who was naughty, but not dangerous in any way. So well dressed, people think he must be gay. No, no, no. Look at his wonderful haircut, he must be gay. Look how sensitive and vulnerable he is, he must be gay. That's right. That means women feel safe around me, they trust me, then bang, pregnant, bang, pregnant, bang, pregnant. Brand has become something of a periphery figure in recent years, but he was huge, he was everywhere. He was on multiple TV shows. He was had his own radio show. He was at Hollywood. He was in big films. He was a known womanizer. He was called, you know, Shagger of the Year by the Son of Three Times. And he had high-profile relationships with incredibly talented women. He was linked with Kate Moss. He married Katy Perry. So he was a huge figure in the early noughties and emblemic of that culture of debauchery and naughtiness that was was seen to be so popular at the time. Looking back, Russell Brand said some outrageously sexist things in his comedy. I mean, he also admitted openly that he wasn't always respectful of women, all the while presenting himself as this safe camp guy, you know, this ironic, playful type. I mean, as you said, the cheeky chappy rather than the aggressive alpha male. Can you talk us through some of the more egregious examples of his on-air behaviour? Bran was constantly getting into trouble. He was accused of exposing himself to colleagues in a BBC studio when he urinated in a bottle. The bottle was talked about live on air. He had a frankly disgusting conversation with Jimmy Savile before the full extent of Savile's crimes was known, at which he offered to send over his assistant to Savile, who would be naked and happy to do whatever he wanted. I've got a personal assistant, and part of her job description is that anyone I demand she um, greets, meets, massages, she has to do it. She's very attractive, Jimmy. Well, that's, that's, that's a good start. He constantly undermined a woman who was a newsreader when on one of his news shows, saying that he wanted to get under the desk, um, that she was erotic. And he even referenced the fact that she complained about this on air and saying that, well, she had no right of reply. When you've left your message, just hang up, or for more options, press 1 at any time. 
Uh, oh, hello, Andrew Sachs. This is Russell Brand. I'm a great appreciator of your work. It's interesting that the thing that finally made him lose his job at Radio 2 was not his behaviour towards a woman, but was an incident which was then known as Saxgate. He called Sachs, who was formerly Manuel in Vaulty Towers, and had a prank call with him with the broadcaster Jonathan Ross, in which Ross said that Brand had fucked his granddaughter. Because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> now, when you were he doing. He fucked your granddaughter! <laughs> <laughs> And it was the controversy about that and the fact that that should never have been allowed to be on air that finally lost Brandy's job. So from everything you say, he famously and serially failed upwards. He writes in his book that his management told him he, quote, effed up every opportunity he was given. And yet, you know, he still ended up in Hollywood, as he said, starred in massive films, married Katy Perry, carried on telling the world about his sex addiction and his many, many conquests. After he divorced Perry, he was back in England and suddenly reinvented himself as a voice for the politically disenfranchised, appearing on Newsnight and Question Time and so on. This eventually shifts into the wellness, truth-seeking iteration of Russell Brand we know today. What can you tell me about that? Well, Brandt has always positioned himself as a sort of anti-hero outside of the establishment. Back in the era when he was taking rather left-wing views, he was seen as a somewhat powerful character who could speak truth to power. In recent years, he's really gone 180. On his YouTube channel, he has spoken freely about conspiracy theories such as the COVID pandemic, the war in Ukraine, the climate crisis. He's also amassed a huge online following. He's got 3.8 million followers on Instagram, 6.6 million on YouTube, millions on TikTok. And he's positioned himself as a wellness guru. He does cold water therapy. He talks about healing. He talks about addiction. And he runs his own wellness events. So he's really put himself in the center of a culture that is known for dabbling in conspiracy theories and that is known for for distrusting what they call mainstream media. Is it right that big tech companies and the state are given the power to determine whether or not you can enjoy everyday freedoms? Are we moving towards ID cards by stealth and further empowering massive Lexi, you've got a lot of experience reporting big Me Too stories. And a lot of people this weekend have been asking why that if there were rumours for so long about Russell Brand's behaviour and if it was considered an open secret, why did it take until this weekend for an investigation to be published? Can you explain how and why these stories can take a long time? I find this really quite frustrating because people have no idea about the complexity of these stories, how difficult they are to get over the line, how many resources they take, how legally tight every single word in every single sentence, every single minute of every single clip in a film has to be in order to get sign-off to get these pieces published. People knowing about something or saying post-publication, everybody knew about this, just simply doesn't recognise the amount of work that goes in 
to doing them. These journalists will have worked for years on this. Those years are needed to build up trust. You're talking to people who have been severely damaged by their experience. You're talking to people who may have been let down in the past. So building up relationships take time. Verifying what people have told you takes a huge amount of time and that can involve hundreds of phone calls, going through records, sending off freedom of information requests, going to employers and the like for comment. These are just really time-consuming things that take a lot of work, so all credit to the teams that have done this. Coming up, what's next for Russell Brand? Britney's getting divorced, Lizzo's in hot water, and I am still not over Barbenheimer. There is so much to catch up on. But don't worry, The Guardian's pop culture with me, Shantae Joseph, is back. We'll go beyond the gossip with smart takes on the latest pop and internet trends. If it's got you talking, I have got you covered. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Alexi, as we've heard, Russell Brand has successfully pivoted into a world of online streaming. He's making a very decent living by presenting himself as an alternative voice that is anti-mainstream media and is somehow a guru to what he calls independent thinkers. In his initial response to these allegations, 
he has already insinuated that they are motivated by a kind of attack against him by the establishment. How has all this gone down, and particularly with his followers? Well, there has, of course, been complete outrage at the allegations that have been made about about Russell Brand. However, there are many people who are Brand fans and enthusiasts who are simply refusing to believe that this is true, um, or even it seems in many cases to actually read the details of the allegations that have been made. And they're saying that this is a stitch up, that this is because Brand has becoming too powerful as an alternative voice, that he's somehow a threat to mainstream media. And it's not only amongst his fans that he's getting support. We have seen Elon Musk, the billionaire owner of X, which was formerly Twitter, saying they don't like competition. And that was before the allegations had even been published, like he stepped straight in. Exactly. He stepped straight in saying no more cancelling, enough is enough. One supporter that he may not welcome is Andrew Tate, the self-confessed misogynist who's awaiting trial on charges of rape and human trafficking in Romania. Tucker Carlson has also um, supported Brand and said it's his views on topics like drug companies and the war in Ukraine that's made him a target. And GB News host Beverly Turner has said he's welcome on her show anytime and that he was being attacked for creating knowing and original content. All the greats then. I mean, you do wonder how comfortable Russell Brand now is or the Russell Brand of 10 years ago would have been with these alliances. If those are your friends, you don't want to know about your enemies. Lexi, these women have bravely gone on record. More are coming forward. Brand went ahead with a gig he had booked at the weekend and the story has dominated the headlines and social media. Where does this story go now? I mean, I think we've already seen a really strong and concerted effort by the broadcasters who've employed Brand previously, including the BBC, to get out on the front foot and say that they're doing something. Whether it's a little bit too little too late and whether these things you know, what are the measures being put in place now or what are the measures that have already been put in place to make sure that people who behave in ways that is just completely unacceptable in any workforce, so to make sure that they just can't continue to act with impunity. So there's still a lot of questions for the people who've employed Brand, who've supported him, who've been his allies over the years. There's a lot of questions for them to answer as well as the questions that Brand will have to answer himself. I don't know what's going to happen in the case of Russell Brand, but I do know that when stories like this have come out in the past, it has emboldened more people who may have had negative experiences, whether it's about the individual who's in the news or or other individuals, to come forward and also share their stories. And we may well see that over the weeks and months that come. Lexi, thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks so much for having me. That was Lexi Topping, senior reporter at The Guardian. You can follow developments on this story at theguardian.com. In the UK, you can watch Dispatches, which we referenced throughout this episode, on Channel 4's streaming service online. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, there is help available. In the UK, Rape Crisis offers support on 0808 802 
9999 in England and Wales. It's 0808 801 0302 in Scotland or 0800 0246 991 in Northern Ireland. You can also contact the Samaritans on 116 123 or by emailing joe at thesamaritans.org. That's it for today. I'm Nasheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Sammy Kent and Courtney Youssef. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Huma Khalili. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.